we welcome you to this edition of the Night Shift. Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner. This is definitely the definition of a Night Shift. No Jeff, he has no voice, uh, no Kyle Nash, he's occupied. Uh, no anybody, I mean, no Nick, he's getting ready. It's just you and me, Bryson. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is fun. This is this could be, this is could be a very nice show. I think just a nice little uh, fireside chat, almost. I can almost yeah. kind of feel it, kind of feel the warmth right now. We will talk football. We're coming up later in the show. I'm gonna make Bryson. You know, he's uh, he's right now in grad school. He's trying to ha- get high grades. I'm gonna have him grade this UCF football team, position by position. We're gonna grade this team, folks. Ooh, could be some interesting grades here at the midterms. Uh, we're going to have Basketball Media Day took place this week. You're going to hear uh, some of the interviews me and Nick Porcelli had. We're going to have an interview with Tyler Hendricks. Taylor's his brother later on the show, as well as Layla Jewett, women's basketball. Also, but we're going to open. We're going to do it di- differently. We're running the show, people. Uh, make sure you follow us uh, and check out our articles at blackandgobanneret.com. If you list, read blackandgobanneret.com, there's a lot of thing called nightcap where Mr. Bryson Turner covers the Olympic sports. And that's where he just came from as we're recording this late Thursday night. One of the reasons why we're recording this late Thursday night, Bryson, is because women's soccer, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, had their last home match of the year. We're already at senior night, Bryson. Uh, just seemed like yesterday the show started. But a big match, UCF against number six, Texas Tech, in the Big 12. Knights coming off a couple tough losses last weekend at home against Baylor and losing to Texas. They lost their goal scorer, leading goal scorer in Ellie Moreno for the rest of the year, torn ACL, as it was mentioned on the broadcast. And so they played number six, Texas Tech. They scored in uh, to take the lead. Maggie Jenkins with a goal, but Texas Tech comes back, responds to tie it up in the second half. It ends in a 1-1 draw. You were there. What? Uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, what took place? This was an absolute bounce back of a game, even though it did not result in a win and instead a draw. I think you would take a draw against the number six team in the country, considering where this team looked like last game. The fact that they were they were competing well with this team, they actually outshot Texas Tech. UCF outshot Texas Tech fourteen to twelve and on shots on goal six to six to three. So and they also were were equal seven at seven corners apiece. So UCF really gave took it to Texas Tech in this one. So the I think after the results of the last couple of games and the disappointments of those games, to see UC, UCF do this against the number six team in the country shows that you really should not count them out just yet. All right. So this was interesting. You bring this up that you were pleased with the performance because. Coach Sahedek, you talked to her after the Baylor match. She was not pleased at all. Oh no, that. no, she was not. And you know, that like that, I, I've known Jeff since she got here, 2013. That was probably the most upset. I think I told you that. That was the most upset she was. At, I've seen her after a post match. Uh, kind of, you were there for the Baylor match. What, what was, what, what do you think? What changed from Baylor to Texas Tech? Clearly, the players got her message. Yes, it was mentality. I think it, the, the mentality was the biggest thing. They really, they just really took it to Texas, to Texas Tech. You know, Coach Tiff talked about it in their post game interview. It talked about it with Deanna Martin and Caroline Delisle, who are both seniors, who I also spoke with. But I have to think that senior night could potentially have had something to do with that as well, because the fact that even though the senior night's pretty early than when we're normally used to seeing it, 
I think that them playing for these seniors could have easily given them the extra, the extra motivation that they needed to real to really put forth, like leave it all out there on the pitch as it were, because there were some close calls, like legitimately, I think UCF could have, could have won this game. The chances just wasn't there, but they really took it to the Texas tech goal goalkeeper there, even after the game got tied up because there were a couple of close calls. Let's hear now uh, your conversation. You had a chance to talk to coach Sahadek following the Texas tech match. Let's hear your uh, chat with coach Sahadek and uh, share and listen to her thoughts on the draw. All right, coach, congratulations on the draw. Does this feel like a bounce back to you after last game? It does feel like a bounce back. I know we would have loved to get the win, but I'm focused on commit uh, to each game. And today was another level of commitment. And, you know, it's senior night. And I think that had a lot to do with everyone's motivation tonight. Can you elaborate a little more on the mentality? What seemed different about this team from last, from in this game as opposed to the last one? Oh, there's a huge difference between mentality in this game and last. I mean, we were just on our front foot. We were uh, pressuring more. We were more committed to our 1v1 duels. Um, we, we were uh, uh, getting into the attack more with more aggression. Like, it was just literally uh, not a lot of tactics, I don't think. I literally think it was just a, a desire uh, to want to compete today. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, only one other team in this conference has drawn this this un unbeaten Texas Tech program. What what did you see out of, uh, just out on that pitch today, just seeing them play, play together? I mean, Texas Tech is a very, very good team. Uh, so obviously it's a, it's a great draw. I know they're, you know, uh, undefeated right now. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll just go back to the desire and the way that they, uh, our team played for each other. And I think that's a really good uh, I'm glad that, that this will be a confidence booster because I think that they know they can go with any team in the country um, as long as they put in that like work ethic and mentality and togetherness. How much does it mean to you to be able to do this for senior night? Oh, this is big. Like we talk about the seniors, everything that they've contributed to this program after the four, five, six years, some of them, um, they've given their heart and soul to this program. The least we could do is like fight for them uh and uh yeah show them how much we appreciate them so it does mean a lot tonight so, so you you know you, you have been a team that has thrived off of the set piece and you got one off the goal rebounded from the set piece really with that goal from, from day just what really worked about that play for you um like you said i mean we've been pretty successful on set pieces and corner kicks and uh you know it's just sometimes you get a little lucky but you know we we do train them and we do have game plans for set pieces and try to figure out you know where our opponent's weaknesses and you know it worked out today saw a couple of uh, uh, players go, go down on the pitch for a second there just how uh, just how are they holding up and just how is it obviously how has it been now through this season because it's now it's, it's been a long season with a couple with a, multiple matches a week sometimes so yeah our death is definitely a challenge you know we've had some injuries and you know it just means that we're playing for those players that can't be out on the field um but yeah, I mean, we just have to keep pushing through it and control what we can. Who, who would you say had the the most meaningful of the senior night? Who would you say had the are you the most like meaningful senior night in terms of seeing them get do go, you know go out here one last time and really have a great game? You know, I mean, I I want to be able to say everybody because it really was a team effort. Even from the players that didn't even get to contribute on the field, they were on the sideline like cheering on their teammates. So like everybody was in it with their heart and soul. Um, I thought Diana had a fantastic game. She put uh, Texas Tech under so much pressure, um, and she really got after them. So I loved her mentality. I thought Mia 
uh, Senho like stepped up in a different way tonight than I've seen of her whole season. So hopefully she's just going up from there. And then obviously, um, you know, Carol was great, you know, in goal again. And Texas Tech, I know they scored a goal, but it was it was a banger. I mean, what are you going to do with that? And overall, Carol, you know, took care of the game tonight. So talk to me, though, because you saw, because obviously Texas Tech was able to draw that with the goal. Just take me through that goal, and what do you think you saw from that goal that you would want to see that, that you could maybe improve on with the team in the future? I think the goal came from, like, not a great clearance, and that's been kind of a theme for us with some of the goals because teams, teams have been – hitting and scoring really good goals against us. They haven't been soft goals. Um, so I think our clearances and getting, you know, second balls, first balls out of uh, dangerous areas is definitely something that we have to keep uh, doing. Yeah, you get to have senior night a little uh, sooner from the conference tournament than you probably have before. You still have two more matches on the road to go before the Big 12 conference tournament. How do you, how does the team feel just as far as that mentality? Like, you, the, yet, yes, the season here is over, but now you got to go across the country and it goes on. They feel good about the performance tonight, so they're just going to take this, you know, on to uh, our opponents for our next matches. Yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati on the road. road of, course, of course, that's been something that you guys have done with before. And then go on the road against BYU, who has made, made, certainly made the rounds in the, the, the nation this year as well. What do you want them to take from this match into matchup against goes? BYU has definitely shown they have a pretty soft, so similar talent level. I think our biggest takeaway today is our mentality, our hard work ethic, everyone doing it together. All right. Awesome. Well, best of luck out there, Coach. Thank you. All right. That was Coach Tiffany Roberts of with Bryce and Turner. I could, t <laughs> I could tell Tiff was kind of getting tired of your question there, Bryce. I don't think she was too wanted to get too far ahead in thinking about BYU and Cincinnati there a little bit. We're just going to focus on ourselves, and rightfully so. Uh, you look at UCF. They came into this match 59 in the RPI. That's why I thought tonight was a must-win. They get a draw. It's a good result against the number six ranked team, but they got a lot of work to do. I think the Cincinnati's a must win. You cannot afford to drop that. And then you hope to maybe get another draw with BYU and then make the Big 12 tournament to try to make the NCAA tournament. And I think they're going to have to make a run in the Big 12 tournament if they get in there as well, Bryce. I think that's the outlook for UCF women's soccer. And the question is going to be, do they have enough bodies to make that happen? Uh, that remains to be seen. Yes, you are about that. The you are right about that. UCF currently on the Big Twelve table. They're currently tied with uh, coming into the night. They were tied with Oklahoma State with twelve. They do pick up a point, and so not looking at the other or through the rest of the action. That means that you they he could that they could end up getting into a tie with Texas and West Virginia. But they're right there, kind of the mid mid pack. Top ten make the Big Twelve tournament, by the way. Top ten. Yes, top ten make the Big Twelve tournament. So. UCF is looking, I would say, pretty all right to make that right now. UCF, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh right, seventh right now. I would feel better if they beat Cincinnati. I, that's why I'm saying. I think you got to beat Cincinnati. Uh, if you lose to Cincinnati, that, that I'll bet you're off. And so yeah. I, we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Cincinnati on the road, though, has always been one of the – has been a, has been a, been no a team that uh, has tripped up this team before. I remember a couple years ago – when since that was our last match of the t match of the season and we lost it and I was just taken aback like wow like uh, that uh, so Cincinnati is a very scrappy team at home and so so it's not a match to overlook uh, by any means and then of course you have that then you have the matchup against BYU who is number five RPI in the country Texas Tech is three. So getting a draw getting a, at least a draw against that would certainly help your case. 
from a from from a tournament for from a tournament perspective. Not I, I still think if they were to man, a win would have been huge from a resume standpoint, it would have skyrocketed. I think the RPI back up. I think you know they still don't have that marquee win. They don't have a bad loss to date. We'll see. Well, a lot of soccer to be played. Well, nobody in the Big Twelve really has a it has an RP has a really big marquee RPI win when you think about it. The only one that does is BYU, who's one zero and one against people. Well, and that's why I think the big that's why I think the Big Twelve tournament is huge because I think the team that make, does the most damage in the Big Twelve tournament probably will get the benefit and get into the field. It's a lot of soccer to go for UCF women's soccer. Let's let's turn our attentions to the men's side, which has been the story I think. Uh, this fall in UCF Athletics, the men's soccer team ranked number two in the country, coming off a 2 0 win over Georgia Southern. Back to back shout outs for this night's team, Juanmi Munoz and company. The go- two goals by Luca Dorado, uh, and the Knights continue to win and play well, Bryson. Uh, I got to call that match on ESPN. Plus, this, and you'll hear it. We're going to play a, a, our interview with Scott Calabrese here shortly, but this team. The identity of this team quietly here, Bryson, has been the defense. You know, for years, Calabrese and UCF was known for the offense and the high-power offense, but it's been the defense. Uh, they're on pace to give up the fewest goals in the Calabrese era. And really, outside of that seven minutes against FIU, Bryson, where they gave up those two quick goals, they have been a staunchy defense. West Virginia, I know, scored a couple. West Virginia is one of the best teams in the country with offense, but this team has clambered down defensively the last couple of weeks. They really have. Uh, Calabrese, uh, one of the things that I think will really stand out for from that in that interview is he he really praised the team's holding midfield, uh, holding midfielders and the defense. It's not just the back line that really contributes defensively, but the holding midfielders do as well. Um, the way he phrased it is the, that they are more equipped to deal with different threats and and deal with a variety of moments, which I think is a very accurate description of this defense which if you remember was was really had its depth tested last year because both Rafael Cravello and Zane Bubb were injured and and out for a, major, a good portion of that season now not only do we have them back but you also have the new recruit that he brought in as uh, brought in as well both as a holding both with midfielders and with the, the back line and so to see all the different situations they got him and you saw what Zane Bubb did against Marshall I mean if he had just he would if he had not stepped out of bounds that we would have drawn that game and it would have been a goal so just a very very impressive to see out of the out of this out of this back line uh let's hear now uh this was from after the match on Saturday night UCF winning 2-0 remaining number two in the country number three in the RPI the highest ranked UCF team in any sport in the history of this university Scott Calabrese is the one in charge, and Bryson and I had a chance to chat with him after the match and the victory for his thoughts on the match as well as this defense. Is it the best defense that Coach Calabrese has coached? Here's now Coach Calabrese. Coach, congrats on the win. A hard-fought win there. Uh, just give yeah. me your overall thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I thought we played well, especially in the beginning. We came out, we got control of the game, which, which is what we wanted to do. Um, I thought... You know, we had we had some chances early on as well, and um, could have could have maybe scored one or two of those early, and uh, put ourselves in a an even better position. But but we we converted one of them, and then uh, you know 
had, had to deal with what we knew we were going to have to deal with, which is counterattacking and set pieces. But I thought we handled those well. We talked about earlier this week about how they're such a good organized defensive team. Yeah. So let's talk about how you feel, how your offense approached them. You know, you had to be patient. Yeah. Were you satisfied with the, the overall? I mean, we're, how do you feel against their defense there? Well, I, I think when we built up and and we were patient, right, and we got them to kind of to step down and drop and drop and drop, and, and we moved the ball and we switched the ball, when the ball turned over, we were in a position where we could press them, right, and then win the ball back or or they play long and we, we keep the ball. I think there were moments where – when we actually built up and we went too quickly forward where the ball turned over, but we didn't bring numbers up and now they were, they were able to counterattack against us. So I think um, there were moments when we handled it really well and, and we created either a good opportunity or a moment where we could repress. And there were other moments where maybe we looked in behind or, or went forward too quickly. And then now, okay, now you've got an issue. You got to deal with the counter. Of course, Luca being Luca, scoring two goals, up to 34 goals, passing Matias now all alone in sixth place in program history. We've talked about him. Yeah, put into words what he means, and, and just tonight again. I mean, he's able to finish plays off when you need him. Yeah, you, you, what I'll say is I, I think Luca had a really good week in training, and put a lot of time and effort into his finishing this week, and and, and got in front of goal a lot, and look and look sharp. And then you see tonight what he's what he's been able to do um but you know that's the footballer and i've said it before he's an incredible person amazing teammate he obviously does some really important things for us on the field but um just awesome awesome human being and and we love him luca and robbie said this is the most connected defensive team that they've ever since they've been here yeah that they feel this is the best defense they've been a part of do you agree with that is this the best defensive team yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do. I think there's this solidness to that group, right? And, you know, when, when we defend, it always starts from the front. And we like to defend with the ball as well. So the more we are able to build up and possess and, and get numbers forward, now we can repress and then it's the front group. But then there's this this back group that we have, and that, that includes the holding mids and, and the back four. And I would tell you, I think that this group is – is the best we've had um they they're able to deal with a lot of things so they're able to deal with counterattacks. they're able to deal with set pieces they're able to deal with direct play and so where i think you know maybe we've had uh, a different type of defensive group in the past this is a group that i think is more equipped to, to deal with different threats and 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 to be really good in these the the variety of moments that you're going to see in college soccer Coach, the last time we talked, we talked had talked about the, the the test the team would face going on the road against Marshall and yeah. Kentucky. Now that we're on the other side of that, how do you feel about the, about this team after seeing them go up against both program both both programs? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we have a very good team, and I think we're capable of competing. You know, I, I think we've shown we're capable of competing with you know West Virginia, who's you know highly thought of, ranked really highly. Marshall, you know, what number one team in the country. Um, you see that we can compete with anybody and, and that we have this, um, this ability to get results as well against anybody. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think there's a limit to what this team can do. 
what's the biggest thing you think the team can take with them for from tonight through the rest of the Sun Belt season? Because you had a very front-loaded conference schedule to start with two of the top five teams in the country in West yeah. Virginia and Marshall. So how do you take what they did tonight through the rest of a Sun Belt schedule that, you know, isn't top five in the country as far as ranking purposes anyway? Yeah, I, I personally don't ever look at it that way, right? In, in, in that I actually think, okay, it's important to know who you're playing and what they're able to do, but our our benchmark is is us, right? And so what, what we'll do is we'll do what we do every week, which is we'll look at what we did, what we did well, what we can improve on, and then we'll train and, and we'll, we'll watch video and we'll try to get better. And so that the next time we go out, now we're more effective, we're more efficient we're, we're we're better at, at what we are trying to do um and that process is and, and i say it this way because that process is no different to when we play marshall when we play clemson when we play any of the top teams to so the teams that aren't aren't ranked or aren't at you know have, have the same record i the process is exactly the same so in that, in that case what do you in that case what would you say really stuck out to stuck out tonight that you want to see them do against postal well, I, I, I'll say this. I felt like there are things in the final third that we did better than we've done in the past in terms of combination play and finding each other. Um, and so now we have we have to convert the chance at the end, right, and be more efficient in front of goal and around goal. There are probably some moments where we also went forward and it really wasn't there. You know, we, in, in, we weren't. The run happens, right? Um, but the defense read it well maybe they reacted where they've dropped and now we've tried to play that ball but it's it's not going to happen now we need to see that that's happened we need to play the next option and sometimes we need to create the next option to be able to play but sometimes that option is there but we're still forcing a pass um that we need to see that this isn't the best option now and that the run was there but the run created disorganization in our opponent or made the back line drop and now the space is opened up in other places and if we're if we're better in those moments then now we're going to create a better chance how much of the fact that you're going to be home again not have to travel get some more extra practice time there will and work on that that's not going to help you in this time perfect timing here for that to have the next home match well what what's our is our next match home or is it away our next match is away oh that's right away then the, the, the yeah yeah between that's right that's so right. i think i think we go odu that's right. ODU then the coastal, right? Yeah. So ODU is going to be difficult. They're they're having a very good season. Uh, they're always a tough team, and they're they're not afraid to work. They're not afraid to 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 kind of just draft and and, and compete. Um, and so that that's going to be a really really difficult game, especially going to Norfolk on their home field. Their their head coach great person i've known him for a long time this is his last year he's retiring um so i i, I know they're going to be up for it coach we've talked with you before about you know soccer scheduling and one thing i kind of noticed between both both uh soccer games and you know both ucf soccer teams are in different conferences this season is that with the sunbelt you guys play one match a week how much has been the kind of this kind of one match a week schedule really helped you guys this season because the american was a pretty big conference last season yeah i, I think when we get to play one match a week you get to recover in lots of different ways, right? So you get to recover emotionally and mentally. And I, I, I think that's a big thing to, to have to 
when, when you play Friday and then you play Tuesday and then you play Friday and then you play Wednesday and, and to get up emotionally to give the right kind of effort to the game is, is difficult. So I'm really glad we're past that point and that now the guys can go, they can recover. Um, and, and then they're able to really show up for the next game ready to go and, and be able to deliver the energy that they need in that game. All right, awesome. Well, best of luck. Yeah, so do you, Coach. Thank you. All right, that was Scott Calabrese, UCF head coach. By the way, full disclosure, I made the error on the uh, scheduling. So I called the game on ESPN Plus. Okay, this is I'm gonna I'm defending myself here real quick, Bryson. The whole match, we're promoting the Coastal Carolina match because that's the next broadcast for UCF on ESPN Plus. Completely forgot they have ODU on the road. So that was my error on that. Thankfully, Coach Calabrese, a lot smarter than I am for many, many obvious reasons. And let's get into this here. Now they go to ODU. This is a tricky game here, Bryson. ODU quietly is playing well. They, no, yeah, they are. Top 100, R, the top 100 RPI, number 93. They are they they have they've done pretty well. They've gotten a draw against a quad one team actually. So and a and another draw against a quad two team. They're they can be pretty sneaky good when they when they want to be, especially when especially when they. Well, you the know they're going to gear up for this. The number two ranked team in the country is coming to their place. I'm, I'm expecting a, you know a tough place to play, and that's something UCF's going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is too. You know, UCF dominated Georgia Southern. The I think the missing piece, and it's weird to say this about a UCF men's soccer team, Vince, but putting the ball in the net, finishing plays. Like, there were other opportunities by other players that could have finished off Georgia Southern even earlier, other than Luca Dorado. And I think that's the key now moving forward, Bryson. Do we see the other players uh, up front, you know, like a Giannis Balatrash, who has always had so many opportunities to score, but hasn't put it over the net, Awador, the transfer from Oregon State, has only one goal. That's the thing. If this team, you know, they've been close on some plays in there. If they start putting that ball in the net and now they're scoring two, three, four goals a match, look out with this team. I think that's the next piece for this team, which is bizarre to say about a Coach Calabrese. That's something we've never had to worry about before. But And I think they're capable of it, but they just it hasn't worked out yet. But I think perhaps it's it's, it's still to come. Oh yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. Luca, the good news is is that even under this situation, you have Luca Dorado, who by the way is now alone in 6th place for the most goals in UCF history. Now with those two goals now upping his total to 34. This is I mean, it's this is one of the better scores that this program has really ever seen, which is amazing since we were coming off of Cal Jennings who did Cal Jennings things. So the fact that Luca Dorado is here to kind of anchor this offense is is good, but you definitely want to see you know someone to kind of step into that Gino Vivi kind of role. And we've kind of seen a little bit of that from Clarence Awudor. We've seen a little bit of that from Emmanuel Baum, and then we've even seen a good a, a bit of that from Saku Heiskinen, who was a yes. I would argue was one of the biggest ads that Calabrese made this season with uh, th th this over the off season. I, if I would actually argue who would probably be the next big um, all, like chance offensively, I would honestly be looking for looking at Saku. I think Saku is going to be my sure. one. That, I think, I think they feel they get score even more goals because the chances have been there. They just haven't put it, finished it. It'll be interesting. Robbie Sorinellis, by the way, Sunbelt defensive player of the week, third different UCF night to win defensive player of the week this year in the Sunbelt. Uh, Juan Munoz won it last week. 
And then earlier this year, it was uh, who was the, the first one that uh, that won it? Uh, Zach, uh, Boot, uh, Zach, uh, Zane Bob, Zane Bob. Thank you. I just drew a blank. Yeah. Uh, there for, and Robbie Sornellis is a great story. In fact, UCF Knights posted this on their social media platforms. His uh, with his family heritage, with ties to the some of the early UCF teams of the early eighties. No, yeah, it was. It's a. I think it's awesome to see Sorinellis really. But but he transferred in. If you remember, I believe he was at uh, North Florida before he transferred. He sure. transferred in. I, re, I remember talking to him about coming from the transfer from coming from the transfer portal. Actually, when I was doing that story about uh, about Nick Taylor, because both of them played against their former programs that year. But Sorinellis is one of those examples, though, that of why this defense is so big because not only is the back line doing is doing its job, but remember how coach Calabrese mentioned those holding midfielders. Robbie Sword Ellis is one of those holding midfielders and yes. And he's been doing a, an excellent job at that. But I think there's another factor at play in all this, since we kind of talked about women's soccer before this is look at the, because this team is one of the healthiest men's soccer teams. I think I've seen. Knock on wood. Let's not jinx it. <laughs> well, I mean, they're playing once a week. They're not playing twice a week. Like, saying, like we don't need to. Let's not. Let's not harp on it. Let's just. Oh, let's keep it that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is that we're gonna. Is we'll probably end up talking about this a good bit throughout the rest of this. Uh, throughout the rest of this month of the regular season, where UCF is now is going to have to face against a team like an RPI one seventy Coastal Carolina after ODU. You got South Carolina one thirty two. Uh, Georgia State and James Madison could be very interesting. Both of them are in the top 60. But the point is that you're not going to be going up against a, a Marshall or a West Virginia anymore going forward. And that, I would argue, leaves very little room for error over these ne- over these next couple, uh, o- over these next few games until you get kind of right. get to the end. Well, and it's so, per- per- man, if they can somehow get a top eight seed, top four, that means you don't have to travel until the College Cup. So, Long ways to go, and they're still trying to win a Sunbelt championship. That's okay. still which, you know. which can actually be hosted on yeah. campus. They are now the yeah. UCF men's soccer is now the only sport on campus that could potentially host a conference That's championship, true. at least in as far as guarantee per as far as guarantee purposes. That's very swear to say still, but uh long ways to go. Obviously, Marshall, the number one ranked team in the country to chase, which is kind of funny in itself. So but yeah, uh, UCF ODU, when is that match? That match is gonna take place. Uh, next uh, Saturday night, Saturday night. So if you got a little uh, college football withdrawal, you can do a little UCF ODU uh, on the road. Then they come back to host Coastal Carolina, which was in my mind uh, there. All right, let's go to the third fall sport that potentially can make the NCAA tournament. UCF only twice in the history of the university in the Division One ever has had women's soccer, men's soccer, volleyball all make the NCAA tournament in the same year. That was in 2002-2003. Volleyball on Wednesday night, Bryson, you were there at the venue, knocked off West Virginia in straight sets. They are now 6-0 and in the Big 12. They've won seven in a row overall. Uh, balance offense, the story. What was your what was the, the difference in the win over the Mountaineers, uh, which has gotten some night fans all of a sudden wondering, why isn't this team ranked top 25, which we'll address momentarily, but what was the big difference in the West Virginia match? I think that for this one, they were able to take uh, the West West Virginia when they started bouncing back because the, the West I look at West Virginia kind of the same way I looked at the previous match in Lubbock against Texas Tech, where this team came out came out swinging early in the game and just absolutely crushed them 
in the first set. But then West Virginia kind of tightened up and they they committed less errors and they and they kept things close the rest of the way. And so they it's something that they definitely want to make sure I think that they kind of carry that momentum forward through the re- forward through the rest of the match but but credit to this team they did a great job of just doing that doing them keeping at it and they man and also spreading the ball around one thing i the the way that i've seen this offense get balanced up abby hansen claudia dylan are much more offensively involved on a, on a game-to-game basis than i've ever seen them emily wilson what a job from her uh she had this amazing second ball kill to to uh, win the second set, the, win the second set that I would argue is the loudest cheer I've ever heard at the venue on a per fan ratio. On a per fan ratio, I think it's the loudest I've ever heard. I've ever heard. It was a really well done kill. And then Ava Armour and Lauren Clark have really have also done really great as well. And Abby Shomers, I mean, what can you say about Abby Shomers? I mean, the, the the fact that she's that we've seamlessly gone from Amber Olsen to Abby Shomers, I think is one of the biggest reasons why this offense has been, that has been the way that it is. And I think it's these past big 12 matches have really shown that this team is, I think kind of is relatively on level. I would argue from last year's team with the McKenna Melville era. I honestly think that you could not have asked for a better follow-up follow-up year to a post McKenna Melville era than this team right now because i would argue that this team could relatively compete with with with, with um with uh, with team with uh ucf teams of years past Ooh, bold all right let's well, hear again they the, the past did have mckenna melville but i would argue yeah. that from a reputational standpoint as of right now they are comparable as of right now well i think they're playing very well right now they're six and zero in the big 12 and you had a chance to talk to jenny mauer after the match on wednesday night all of these interviews by the way you can watch on the youtube channel at black and gold banner red uh thank you uh yeah, that's right we don't have kyle to do the sound bites uh here's your conversation with jenny mauer where you talked about among others, Abby Schomers and company, and her thoughts on the night sweep over West Virginia. Coach, congratulations on another sweep of a Big 12 opponent. Just what are your initial thoughts coming off of this one? I was really pleased with our offense um, tonight, I think. Um, and ironically, you know, we had seven blocks um, in three sets over to a set, which is, you know, above our average. Um, and we still outdug them, but I would say that our offense carried us, especially in sets two and three. It it made it. Um, we kind of had all the pressure to first of all kill right away because um, they started getting a little too confident. Um, it took us nineteen and seventeen kills, I think, in order to win that um, those two sets. So. Um, I think uh, we started making some errors, some uncharacteristic errors, and uh, it just put pressure on our offense to be almost perfect and uh, or feel that way. Um, So got to get back to work a little bit. Um, You know, a win's a win, and you're not going to always win as clean as 25-11. Let's be honest. I'm I'm really proud how our team is starting matches, whether we're on the road or at home. We're doing a great job coming out of the gates, but um, but you know, that dip is, you know, just as much on us. We know we're saying the right things. We know the opponent's not going to give up. There are no easy days in the Big 12. It doesn't matter what record, you know, anybody has. 
So um, I, I think we're saying the right things, but being able to execute and keep that level of urgency and intensity is something that we're still trying to figure out. So, so what would you say then the team needs to execute better on in order to kind of keep their momentum that they start out with, with matches through the, through the rest of it? Well, just being able to um, recognize that we don't have to play flawless and, uh, you know, errors are, it's a game of errors, right? It's going to happen. We just can't allow ourselves to string together too many errors that are unforced, basically. The opponent is going to be trying to um, get those as it is um, and, and force those as it is. And, and then also making um, defensive adaptations a lot faster. We, we didn't do that tonight. And you know, every team's going to be very well scouted. So um, they were exposing some things that some adjustments that we make out of system and we weren't adapting to that quick enough. How would you say West Virginia respond, ended up responding to that to that first set that you guys did? Like, what did you notice about about their about their game on on offense? Well, you know, they stayed after it. Again, we knew that they were going to. Um, you know, we were able to pick up some of their off-speed shots, but then they were, you know, hitting us a little bit deep and kind of short deeping us um, with uh, with some of those shots. And then, but they stayed aggressive, and so they were making a lot of errors in um, in that first set where they they hit negative as a team in that first set. So we knew that they were going to cut down on those. <laughs> So Emily Wilson ended up getting the set winning kills all three time, times for you guys. That second one, though, I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard a, as loud a cheer in the venue from that ratio of crowd before, like the rate, the, sure. the ratio there. Just what, what, what was the environment like for you in there with those? Oh, it's always great. You know, it's one of those, um, not nobody's ready for it, right? Because it was on a second ball. It was off of a dig. And for players to be adaptive like that and turn and just – um, get after it. That was uh, a really good job by Willie um, in that um, in that moment of staying calm and yet staying aggressive. She didn't panic or anything and, and wail away at it. She she took a nice aggressive swing, but she was very composed. Abby also had quite the day offensively, six sixty seven hitting hitting percentage for for her right there. Uh, looking at the how has Abby really kind of stepped it up in terms of offense this season? Because obviously middle blocker, you know the defense is right there. Yeah, and I what I'm so proud of is we, they've been working a lot on their connection. Um, both of our middles, you know, we're used to a very veteran center. So it always takes adjusting and there's going to be ups and downs with it um, with the young setter. And what both Claudia and Abby have done a fantastic job of is this season is letting Abby um, just telling her, you know, stay calm, put the ball up, I'll take care of it. And Abby did a really good job of that tonight of um, making sure that she was really clear in her communication, um, both in first ball as well as in transition, you know, and trying to get into gaps, getting into space so that she could uh, put the ball away and just stayed really assertive and composed. So proud of her for that. How would you say that this team has adjusted to the Big 12 competition so far? Great. I wasn't surprised, you know, we've been playing teams, power five teams, including big 12 in the preseason. And so, and, and some of our transfers have come from power five teams as well. So I don't think that I'm not surprised that we've been able to adapt because either some of them have been already been on teams, you know, there, or we've played against them. And so I'm, again, I'm not surprised, but you know, there's some new competition um, and each each team has its own nuances. So we're doing a good job of watching film and adapting to what they're throwing at us. 
what would you say is different about this team from the start of conference play to right now? Oh gosh. Well, I think that we've kept our focus on 1% better every day. And so I think it's hard to be good at everything all of the time, right? And our offense has done a pretty steady job all season um, of being, of performing, but days like today where your team ends up um, hitting 432, we don't do that every day. And, and so we executed at a very high clip, but then also seeing the growth defensively in our blocks, we're really getting terminal blocks now, but we also got a lot of touches, I thought, tonight as well. You, so you end up now having one match against Kansas State, and then for the rest of the season after that, you have a lot of teams that look very NCAA tournament worthy. What's the biggest thing you want to see from this team in the Kansas State game to kind of, as they kind of prepare for that for the rest of the, se the season, the gauntlet that it is? Well, like I said earlier, I know I trust that our team is going to come out of the gates. <laughs> we know that. We just have to be able to execute at a consistent level because if we take our foot off the gas pedal, um, they're gonna they're gonna answer back pretty quickly. So we have to learn to be more consistent for a lengthier out of, stretch of time. Out of Last question. I feel of course tonight was that was the classic dig pink game been a, been a tradition for you guys. Just how did it feel to be able to you know now you're the head, you got to be the head coach of the team during this game. Just what immediately get the win for dig pink tonight? Oh well, you know we also ran um, a serving camp um, for. Uh, breast cancer awareness. It's just, I, I think um, in the video earlier this week, there are so many of us that have been touched by um, family members, friends, family friends that uh, have been impacted by breast cancer, some whom we've lost and some who are survivors. So obviously to be able to, you know, come away with the victory, but also to have some of those people in the stands and some of them watching that we know back home couldn't be with us that, um, you know, it's bigger than volleyball. So I think it, it definitely gives it a little bit more meaning to be able to play this wonderful game and, um, and come away victorious. Awesome. Well, best of luck Saturday, Coach. Thank you. All right, that's head coach Jenny Maurer is the Knights with the victor over West Virginia. They will host Kansas State Saturday night. Kansas State with a 75 RPI. Coming off an upset win over Iowa State. And Bryson... You mentioned it. The gauntlet's about to be real. UCF's 15-2. and two. A lot of people wondering why they're not ranked. Well, here's the quick stats for you, Bryson. Going into Kansas State, after that match, UCF will have played. Are you ready for this, Bryson? Three matches against the top 50 in the RPI. They're 1-2 in those three matches. Losses to Wake Forest at home in five sets. Lost to Purdue in straight sets at Purdue. Swept FSU in three sets uh, at home. You'll look at it in comparison. UCF currently has played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, thirteen matches, Bryson, against teams 99 or worse in the RPI. That is why they're not getting the votes that some people believe they can get. Uh, and that is why their RPI actually, as we record this late Thursday night, is 35 despite the 15-2 and two record, uh, Bryson. So to me, the UCF volleyball schedule is going to be defined by after Saturday night against Kansas State when you've got the 11 matches with teams like BYU at home for two. You've got to play at Kansas and at Iowa State to finish the year. Your last home matches against the defending national champions in Texas. you got to go to Houston for two matches. 
Next weekend, you're going to Baylor for two, one of them being on national television on ESPN2. So we're going to learn a lot about this volleyball team and whether they're an NCAA tournament team or not, Bryson, in the, in the final 11 matches. Indeed. But with that said, I don't think this team could have been could have had a better way to prepare itself for this gauntlet of a schedule than with the schedule that they've already had. This, the fact that they were able to build up this reputation with these Big 12 opponents that they've had with West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, like really slowly acclimating them to the Big 12 before they're hit with like the you know, before they're hit with like the big guns of the conference because that's who they're going to get for the rest of the season is the big guns. And when you look at the, and, but you, I think you tease, they tease a little bit of what they might be able to do because you look at Florida state, for instance, their one big non-conference win. you look at what Florida state has done since that this season. And I think that can show you what this team is capable of at home. And I remember you saying this last week, Eric, that if, that if this team can go four and seven, during that gauntlet of a stretch, then you think that they could make the tournament. And I feel like that that is a pretty solid assessment. And those home matches are a really good way to, are a really, a really good place for you to really steal, to really steal some wins there. No doubt. Saturday night, UCF, Kansas state uh, will be at the venue. Should be a pretty key. Again, Kansas state's upset Baylor and Iowa state, even though they're 75 in the RPI, uh, new coach there at Kansas State, so we'll see how that one comes out. All right, coming up in a little bit later, we're going to talk football. By the way, as we've been recording this show, the game of the year in the Big 12, the wackiest finish in the Big 12 just took place, and UCF's not even involved in it. In fact, they're off the hook. I'll explain that later. But first, basketball. We had UCF basketball media day on this week on Wednesday. The men's and the women obviously taking place. All of those interviews, by the way, all the media day content on the YouTube channel at Black and Gold Better Ed. Our very own Nick Porcelli is working on articles in depth in basketball. You want to keep it Black and Gold Better Ed. Wall-to-wall coverage. We're going to have in-depth coverage throughout the year for this historic year for both UCF men's and women's basketball. Bryson, you were not there. I was not. I was in class. But I'm curious, what is... The biggest question you have for the men and the women going into this new this season? I think for the men, I it's I think it's the, honestly the, uh, the same question that I had last season with which is can Johnny Dawkins do it again? In that you bring in a whole bunch of brand new faces and can you get them to gel right away? Because uh, the, the, the good news is, is he does have uh, what looks like a, a healthier, hopefully a healthier CJ Walker and Darius Johnson coming into the mix. But you also, of course, have a bunch of new faces coming in. Tyler Hendricks hasn't really seen the hasn't seen the floor. You have Omar Payne transferring in, Jalen Sellers, all those new transfers that he, that he's bringing. In. He's been essentially trying to do what he did last year, where he's trying to bring in a bunch of transfers to the, to then gel them together as a team and maybe surprise some people. But instead of doing that in the American, you're now doing that in the best college football conference in the nation, arguably in the big 12. So this isn't like just Houston and Houston, Memphis and the rest anymore. No, 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 no. Now you have Houston and the rest of the big 12 that you have to go up against. 
So I am very interested to see how they will play against the Big 12 competition. But, you know, you could argue that that's the case, a storyline with every single sport. But I think in the with basketball specifically, it's a, there's an extra emphasis on that question, given how much of a basketball power the Big 12 is. On the women's side, I would say is, can Satya Messer look like they really bring some stuff together again in year two? Because, again... With Sadia Messer coming into the coming into UCF, she had to basically take a program that was basically left for scraps because Coach Abe took a lot of the players that were getting a lot of playing time with her to Georgia. The only one she didn't take was Destiny Thomas, and she went to Georgia over this last offseason. So you so now Satya Messer in year two, I think we I want to start seeing an identity from her. I think is the biggest thing. I'd love to be able to see some uh, see a real identity with this team even though women's basketball big 12 is as good as women as women's basketball as they are in the men i would argue one they are still one of the top women's basketball conferences and they act and women's basketball if i remember right eric uh i believe the coaches actually predicted ucf to finish last in the conference right that is correct and trust me they're all aware of it uh coach messer was asked about it in media day some of the players were asked about it including an interview you're going to hear shortly uh that me and nick Porcelli had with layla jewett uh, one of the returners uh, on that. In fact, let's just go ahead uh, and play that Layla Jewett interview uh, and talk where she talked about, of course, Layla Jewett, one of the players that has played for both Coach uh, under Coach Abe and Coach Messer. And that's one of some of the things we talked about, me and Nick Porcelli on Media Day with Layla Jewett about this upcoming UCF women's basketball team. Good. Well, uh, how does it feel to be one of the vets here uh, this year? Man, it's really surreal. Like, just even just being here all three years, time flies. Like, man, like they tell you it flies, but like for real, that's that's the truth. So, You've seen a lot. Just take us through your journey here. Uh, how you got here, what got you interested to come here. Okay. So, um, you know, I came in with the previous coaching staff my freshman year, uh, Coach Abe. So they actually, um, they recruited me while I was in Virginia. They came to like one of my tournaments in high school. So they got to talking to them a lot. You know, my parents love it here. Uh, they actually want to move down here. So that was also a big factor uh, in my decision uh, to come here. So um, also academics for sure. I'm an information technology major and I love that they had that here. And a big part of the reason I stayed is because of school in general. So I really love um, Central Florida. I love it here. And I really wouldn't um, choose any other school. What was that transition like for you? Was it a hard transition, easy transition? Like, how was that transitioning from staffs and obviously different styles and so forth? Um, transitioning from a different staff. I have. I admit it was pretty difficult for me at first, but you know, as we uh, as the season went along last year, I feel like it definitely got a lot better. Like just with the um, just building a relationship with my coach, just from that standpoint, definitely got a lot better. And we're gonna continue to keep building that relationship. So, so. what do you tell the new faces uh, about UCF uh, that maybe they've asked you for advice, not necessarily just necessarily on the court, but off the court, as far as what UCF brings? Um, get to know people, man. Like, there's a lot of people that you're gonna see just at different sporting events. Like, you never know, like, who you're who you're talking to. So that's that's my biggest advice. Just you know, be nice to everybody, be polite, because you never know, like, when you'll see them again, for sure. Uh, who else? What, what, what have you worked on your game this offseason? What's what part of your game have you worked on the most? 
um, definitely uh, finishing around the rim and just, you know, tightening my uh, ball handling skills for the most part, you know, keeping my shooting touch. So just a lot of things, to be honest. I just want to be uh, more consistent this year than I was last year. So that was definitely the focus of my um, offseason work, for sure. Uh, who on the – out of all the new people who have been really uh, sticking out to you on the court during practice? Um, during practice, uh, Shoal, our freshman, high energy, high motor, like does what, exactly what you tell her to do. Like, no, no really complaining. So I think I get to her. What's it been like uh, building chemistry with them, not just on the court, but off the court? Man, I can't lie. Like, I love my teammates. So it's it's been really easy, honestly. Like, talking to them, like, they make me laugh. Like, it's it's great. It's been great. I, I can't even lie. When I say the words Big 12, what pops in your mind? <laughs> uh, man, that we got to prove them wrong. Our preseason rankings pops right into my mind. You know, we're 14. You know, okay, but it's different. Like when we have to step on the court and play against us, so we'll definitely, we're definitely gonna shock some people this year. What do you want for people that come out to see your team? What What do you want your team identity to be when people see you play? A hard nosed team, like gritty. Like we do all the little things because that's what we have to do to win. We may not be, you know, the most athletic. We may not be the tallest team. But at the end of the day, we're going to do what it takes to win. Thank you. All right. That was Layla Jewett uh, talking to me and Nick Porcelli. Man, I, I hope we get her healthy, Bryson, on the women's side. Because uh, I remember when she was talked about from the previous staff and coach, they were excited about her. And I think the long-term plans were going to be big from a guard. And I think she's got a beautiful shot. And I think she could add, add to this offense. And Messer, Coach Messer, as we saw last year, seems to be much more wide open about letting her players shoot the three-point shot. So I'm looking forward to seeing her. Maya Burns, who Nick and I talked to as well, has worked on her game as well. I, I think they are going to have to be productive on that end. Coach Messer and the players, the, the word they kept saying was grit defensively. That's the, the message there they want to send. We'll see how that goes. They were picked last, officially, by the Big 12. UCF meds, you know, so we, you I, know, still, I, I still remember, Eric, you yeah. mentioned the beautiful shot. I remember watching her go off on that 34 point performance against Sanford last year. And that yeah. was the first time I was, I really felt like that that was like her introductory moment because she was out with injury before that. It's like, hello, UCF. My name is Layla Jewett and I'm going to ball. And that yeah. was an absolutely amazing moment from that. I would say that given the this stage that they're still in right now, year two under Satya Messer, I think you just prove you the, the Big 12 long and don't finish last. I think I think given how talented the Big 12 is, not finishing ahead of expectations, I think is a really good kind of, I would say, goal to set with this team. Kind of interesting, Messer, Coach Messer gave the stat that the Big 12 is the second best conference in women's basketball when it comes to attendance. Uh, of course, she spent a lot of time there in the Big 12 at his assistant at Baylor. I thought that was an interesting message. I'm not sure she's going to be very satisfied uh, with the attendance here. They, you know, they do get Texas to come here. I think that'll be their best attended game. Uh, Bryson, Vic Schaefer and company. I just don't know if that will match the numbers that in the past that UCF did against Connecticut when Connecticut and UCF played in the American, especially, you know, you had a good teams in UCF with coach Abe against Gino, uh, I don't know. We'll see. That's We got more on women's basketball down the road on this. I want to go over the men's side. Uh, and to me, Bryson Turner, the men's is going to be interesting. 
a lot of low expectations. CBS Sports picked him to finish last in the Big 12. Uh, my expectations are that they're going to do it the same uh, when the official press, uh, you know, rankings come out for the Big 12. You know, Johnny Dawkins addressed it. And I asked Coach Dawkins, you know, everybody's talking about the new rosters. And, and it was like, full disclosure, I had to look up the roster, like the, the roster page a couple times. We're on the court. Like we're, me and Nick are deciding who do we want to talk to. We're like, wait, you know, there's a lot of new faces, Bryce. But that's college basketball in 2023, which is what Coach Dawkins told me about. Something that he's adapted to. Uh, a kid to watch that I, I, I talk to people uh, off camera and things like that that people were bragging about was Sellers. I'm going to make this prediction for you, Bryson. I'm going to predict that Sellers is going to be our leading scorer this do you season. Think do you think he's going to be kind of like how CJ Kelly was last year? Transfer I think he could be. He could be the CJ Kelly. I've heard he's a great shooter. Uh, I think this team is going to need some offense because you don't, you don't have the Taylor Hendricks. They like the transfer. I think Sellers is a guy. We didn't get a chance to talk to him because the way – for those that don't know, the way the media day works, all the players are spread out and you have all this media. And so, you know, you just can't get to everybody. But I think Sellers is a name to watch on that. The guy that I am the most fascinated by, Bryce, you want to take a guess who's the guy I'm the most fascinated by on this roster? I'm going to guess Tyler Hendricks because now he's out of the spotlight of his brother, at least on this team anyway. That is correct. Ding, ding. Tyler Hendricks, who redshirted, basically had an injury. They decided to redshirt him. Now he is this. He is the only Hendricks on this roster. And me and Nick had a chance to talk to Tyler one-on-one -on -one about that. What's it like being the only Hendricks at UCF? And, oh, by the way, how's your brother Taylor doing in Utah? What did you learn from him? Some interesting comments from Tyler Hendricks right now. Go ahead. All right, Tyler, just uh, tell us uh, how is it feeling here, man? Before you know it, the season's here. How you feeling? I feel great. You know, we've got a, a lot of good guys over here. You know, a lot of new guys, too. So I'm just really, like, excited to see where, you know, the journey takes us. You obviously sat last year. You had an injury. What was it like watching the team last year? What did you learn that you'll take with you this year? Uh, just, just seeing how everybody uh, plays together, you know, Coach Dawkins, like, he really wants us to be, like, a together team. So just making sure that we're always together, you know what I'm saying, we're working hard together and trying to win the game. You know, that's really what it is. The, the closest team always makes it fun. So. You got a nice trip to Italy there. What was that like to travel outside the country? It was, it was real cool. It was my first time, you know, traveling, like, outside of the U.S. So I was really excited, you know what I'm saying, get, Get to see the world a little bit so it was, it was a fun experience what did you uh how, what did you work on on your game this off season to get you set for this season uh, really just my motor for real like rebounding the ball handling the ball just being like a glue guy you know what i'm saying just everything really mainly just just trying to like be better like for my teammates like a better teammate player all of describe those that are going to watch you play this year what what kind of player are you uh, I work hard, so I go hard to the, to the boards, you know what I'm saying? That's like my biggest thing. I like doing I'm a shooter. Uh, I'm going to be vocal, and I'm just just do whatever it takes to win. What was it like seeing Taylor kind of develop to what he developed to, to the point where he become a lottery pick? Was that something as a family you all, like, expected? We were caught off guard. What was that like? I mean, since day one, we knew, you know what I'm saying, like, we both were going to be special. So, like, it, it wasn't a surprise seeing him go that high. Because we knew, like, we always put the work in, and we've been wanting it since we were little, so. Does it feel weird not seeing him around? I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, I'm getting used to, like, not being with him a lot, 
but you know what I'm saying? It's a learning experience, you know, I get to be by myself, like learn how to, you know, be by myself, like without any. You, you uh, mentioned the, the Italy trip earlier, and of course, you know, you were with Taylor at the NBA draft, so you had one heck of an offseason. Just kind of tell us, what was that like for you? Uh, just seeing how the process is, like, to be an NBA player, you know, they go through a lot, a lot of interviews, a lot of just talking to people, like, always, like, making yourself look presentable, it's, like, really important. And just seeing how it all went down was just, like, really a blessing to have. A lot of, that's got to bring some insight to it. It's got to motivate you too. That you kind of see what it's like from his perspective. You're like, I could get to that level. Exactly. It was just like, like just seeing him do it. Like I've, I've always been by his side, so it's like just seeing him do it made it it's like that much more. Like for me, like just put like a chip on my shoulder. A, a lot of new faces this year. Uh, which 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 one of the new guys have really uh, stood out to you in practice so far? Uh, really all of them. I'm not gonna lie. Like they're all hoopers. We got some good guys. Like Coach Dawkins did a great job. All of us got some. What's the key to having that chemistry? You had good chemistry last year, and that you know you had the success you did. What's the key to having that chemistry with so many new faces? Oh, uh, just just really just hanging out with each other. So, like when everybody came, we always we just came together, had a meeting. Everybody got to know each other, and just going out with each other, like doing stuff like bowling, like mini golfing, just little stuff like that gets us closer. Who's the, the comedian of the team? Comedian of the team. We got a we got a lot of comedians. I'll probably say Chi, um, CJ, and I'll say Tom. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so we got a lot. That's good. It's a good combination there. What uh the defensive identity, it's always been a part of UCF basketball. Just tell us about this how that's coming along as you get set for the season and your from your role in particular on the defensive side. Uh defense, that's the main thing for our team. Coach Dawkins always preach defense and coalition. So you know, we just making sure we're vocal on defense, making sure we're like always in a stance. Those are like the main things that Coach Dawkins is telling us to do. Uh, Did you have a uh, favorite basketball player growing up? Yeah, Russell Westbrook always been my favorite. Russell Westbrook, what was it about Westbrook you like? I just like his heart. Like he, he never puts on a play. Like he, he's just like even if he's playing bad, like he just always like plays an impact on the court. So I just like that. You thought about? I know you got the non-conference portion of the season, but you're gonna be playing in the Big Twelve, the Marquee Conference. Kansas will be here for the home opener. Is that is that something that gets you motivated when you're lifting weights and things? Is that what you think about, or is that something you still kind of? push it back and focus on the early day of time. I mean, for me, every game is, is just a game, you know what I'm saying? Like, I work hard for every game. Like, I treat no opponent, like, like lesser than what they are. Like, everybody is the same. Game, so I'm just going to go in there and, like, ready to go. What are you hoping to accomplish individually this year as far as your own game is concerned? Obviously, you want to help the team win at the ultimate goal. But for your from your standpoint, being on that court, what are some of the things you're hoping to accomplish? Uh, just really making sure I, you know, I'm trying to work on my, like, make sure I hit my shots, which is what we need for the team. My role is to be a shooter. My role is to attack the boys. So I'm going to just do whatever it takes to win. What's your uh, message tonight, fans, before the start of the season? My fans, be, be prepared. This is going to be a great season. I want to see all got you guys out there. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. And that was Tyler Hendricks with me and Nick Porcelli. Bryson, what jumped out at you about what Tyler Hendricks had to say? Honestly, I think it was more about, you know, going through the process of the NBA. I also think I also think 
that the the little hangout things that he talks about getting the team to really gel together because let me tell you something so for those that follow me on my twitter at it's bryson turner you'll notice that after i covered the the volleyball game that i posted a little quick picture of myself as i went in picture as i went into the rwc because the DeVos Sport Business Management Program actually has an uh, intramural basketball team that I am on. And one thing and one thing I will say is that I I will go to bat for those guys. And one of the reasons I will do that is because we've had those moments. We have gone through those exact same things whether it was during the what whether it was with my cohort with the with the initiation week, you know, the orientation week that we did or hanging out with each other working on a working on assignments together, seeing each other in the hallways and just kind of talk about how how we're doing, what we're, what we're all doing for the program like those hangout moments. I promise you guys, those really work. I have lived them. And when you look at what what we've done where we went undefeated in our IM regular season basketball season, basketball season over at the rwc so i can i can attest from personal experience that those kinds of things really work and to see that the, that they're still doing that with this with this one i honestly think that that chemistry i think we could probably see that again from this team from this team they had it last year uh i'm really intrigued to see what tyler can do he's currently a little banged up but he should be fine for the season the we'll guards look really deep, I think. Like uh, uh, it's, gonna, it, it's gonna be interesting what Dawkins, what kind of starting lineups they have and, and how they mesh, but they're gonna have to defend. They play in the state of Florida the whole season. We'll get into more about basketball. Here's what I will say about expectations for both. I think men. I think what you, you I, I look, man, the Big 12 is rough. It's rough. And now you have the you know the speculation that Gonzaga might join in a year or two. We'll see. Although I don't I think that's a little overblown. I think there's a lot of hurdles still to be there. I've heard that the athletic directors are not necessarily fans of that. We'll see what happens. I know that's more of a down-the-road thing. I want to see how this program gets supported by the fans. Because, my goodness, we're about to – we're in a league now, Bryson, where everybody in the Big 12 cares about basketball. Like oh. and, I, and I think, to me, that's going to be a big step here to show, are we really going to take basketball seriously – or not from a support standpoint, from a, a facility standpoint, from a finance standpoint, you name it. To me, that's I think you well, see. Let's I'm not gonna, forget that yeah. Eric that this that this we're st we're still not uh, not at the Big Twelve full revenue share just yet. I think that the support thing. I honestly think that still that that might not get implemented until maybe a couple of years down the line so i feel like we're still a little bit of a holdover when it when it comes to that those purposes but as far as this one it's really more about dealing with the big 12 competition i mean you're looking at how deep the guards are i'm very interested to see how tyler hendricks kind of factors into all of this because it's interesting because while i do because they're both cut from the same cloth and while and taylor hendricks went immediately one and done to the nba but tyler it feels like tyler has an interesting opportunity for him to really see us like see him really grow see him really develop over these couple of seasons i think he does but by the way have a sim does have the similar potential that taylor does i mean they come from the same household i think that there's he's not a, i don't think he's as tall or ill no but it, not in the same way i mean but right. as far as the work ethic is sure absolutely well here's the advantage he has and you heard him talk about it he saw taylor go through the nba process he knows what it takes to get to that level now you know what i mean 
Like he's got that information because he saw his brother go through with it. And that's got to be motivational, whether he can do it or not, who knows? I'm intrigued to see what he does. Uh, I would have, that was, you know, I don't want to get into it now because we got a lot of stuff still to get into. I just, I thought last year's team got a bad rap. I thought there was way too much negativity. On, oh, they only made the NIT basketball. This team dealt with a lot of injuries. C.J. Walker only played four games. Tyler Tyler did not play one minute last year. Darius Johnson wasn't healthy all year. I, I think, and yet, it just to me, they accomplished a lot considering all that adversity. I know we all got caught up after that dramatic Memphis win, and it's Joe Lenardi put him in as the last four in. I consider last season a success. I know a lot of people disagree. I just, I think our expectations for basketball have to be realistic, and I'll be curious you know, what people have uh, this upcoming season. We're going to have a lot more on basketball in the coming weeks before that home opener, November 6th uh, against FA. We're going to have a ton of coverage of both the men and the women here. Myself, Bryson Turner is going to be part of the basketball coverage. Nick Porcelli is going to be a big part of the basketball coverage. We're excited about that. Uh, and, of course, Mr. Kyle O'Nash, who, by the way, the women, they were not happy with Kyle O'Nash. I'd say, look, he's got a job. He's got to bring it yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm very, I'm very interested to see how that goes. I think, I think honestly, the Big Twelve. I would argue one of the reasons why there was so much lofty expectations put on last year's team after the big win that it was, is because I think they be, that they were in the American this time around. I really, I, 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 and maybe I'm just, be, and maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I really think that being in the Big Twelve will put the expectations into, in it, put the expectations into the lens because this is the top men's basketball conference we're talking about here we're gonna see some great basketball teams too and that you're gonna learn what the benchmark is and what will you see of how they will respond to that will be interesting to say the least all right that's the story on the basketball side that'll get going in november quick note before we get into football spring after we'll get going baseball practices are going on fall ball is about to is getting underway in baseball the rich wallace era I know, Bryce, you're planning to get out there. Softball gets their fall ball started next week. little buzz I'm hearing could be the best softball team on paper ever. That's what I'm hearing. Mm. Pretty big. Pretty good. Juicy. Pretty good. Juicy. And I want to bring that up because there are three programs, three teams to remember this spring. Softball, I think, is going to be loaded. Track and field. Brenaya Jones, last hurrah, big year for them. And then women's golf, which is ongoing. Frank 15th in the country, Bryson, Emily Merritt. Oh, by the way, doing another job. And they just had a big week here in the fall. That they did. Um, golf, of course, one of those uh, one of those sports that goes over the whole the whole year. Normally, we, they just get a lot more attention in the spring because that's when they kind of are ramping up to their conference championships and NCAAs. But they have a fall schedule that they go through as well. And UCF has got pull, pulled a trophy out, out of their hats this time at the Evie Odom Invitational, hosted by Old Dominion at, at Virginia Beach. Uh, Sandwich to suit them in her sophomore year le- has led the way in a tie for fifth individually at one under. There were, only, there were only a very few handful of players, by the way, that shot under par at this tournament because after round one, a lot of inclement weather started coming in, wind, rain, really affecting the conditions in the tournament. In the tournament, so to see this team do as well as they have been, they won by five. 
well, uh, five great, really good performances out of true freshman Molly Smith and new transfer Brittany Shin, and along with a, several of the turners like Sandwich, I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is, I think, a really good start for this women's golf team, and they are going to be back in action very soon because they're going to be going back to the Mercedes-Benz intercollegiate, intercollegiate hosted by the Tennessee Volunteers. So the fall schedule still underway. A couple of more tournaments this fall before this fall before they go on the winter break. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot going on with the basketball. Look, I don't know how many wins we're going to have. We'll get into that. But there are some positives coming up here in the spring. A lot of big storylines in the spring. Of course, we still got a second half of a football season to go, Bryson. Football on a bye this weekend. I think a lot of people are very happy about that. We need it. We <laughs> yeah. need it. Uh, we're not going to get into the Kansas game. We all know what that is. They're 3-3. Three and three. Just gonna watch, play. watch our night shift live. Watch our night shift live if you still right, need watch to. it live. Bryce and Nick and uh, Kyle are there. They broke it down. They got to buy. They got to go to number five ranked Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel and company. We're gonna have a lot on that coming up this upcoming week as well. But let's take a moment here, Bryson. Football three and three. My question to you, sir: Are you still optimistic this team will be a bowl team? I I want to say optimistic, but it's definitely a cautious optimism. I think that th- this bye week is, I think, a turning point, a flashpoint, if you will, in this season. Because this, th- th- I still think that there's a whole bunch of different possibilities. The whole world is out in front of this UCF football team. We could see... The best case scenario, a best case scenario where we win a good portion of those games and we make a bowl or maybe or we upset somebody, whatever. And then there's the worst case scenario where we lose all those games. I could see all of those things because this has been a very wide range of of game of UCF teams we've seen. Now, granted, some of that might have to do with injuries. Injuries do have a role to play in that. But well, let's get into that. Let's get into this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go quickly to a lot of these positions, and we're going to give them a grade. We're at the halfway point, midterms, Bryson. You know all about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. We're going to give grades, and then at the end, to me, will they be able to pass the course? And passing the course means going to a good bowl. We're going to get into all that. Let's start with UCF defensive line. Give me a grade, Bryson. I'm going to go with a B, B minus, maybe something like that. Wow, you're a nice teacher, professor, right? Uh, B minus. Uh, look, look, look. I think that the, the thing is, is that I think that there are that there are other areas on this defense that really use could use the bad grades more than the defensive line, in my opinion. I'm going D. D. This was supposed to be the strength of the defense. They, all I kept hearing about was this is one of the best defensive line. Nobody's going to be able to push them around. Guess what? They've been pushed around. They've been pushed around. It's not all their fault. They've given up over 300 yards on the ground in Big 12 games. Hello. Not all their fault. Got to get better. And I know people are going to say, well, Ricky Barber hasn't been helpful. I don't care. Got other guys. Step it up. They got to step it up here in the second half of the year. I, you see, I actually think that there's another uh, another symptom 
to that running game thing that that we'll get to when in a different the one part. The reason I'm not that's why, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm kinder to the defensive line because I do think a, bit, a little bit kinder to the defensive line because I honestly am thinking of a different position group when I'm thinking of what this the, what that rushing game really is. The only reason I'm not flunking him out, I do like John Walker and I like the upside in the future, John Walker. Josh, I would say Josh Selvascar, though. Josh Selvascar, good leadership part there. Malachi Lawrence has shown some good stuff. I, I I'm think. a walker. I'm on the walker. All right. Linebackers. That, that, oh, is, oh. that is where I would do, like, my C minus D. I think that's where I would put that. Because, look, the, defense, if the, the defensive line is the defensive line, but if the if the runner gets through the defensive line, the linebackers have got to deliver. And unfortunately, they just have not been able to do that this season. They, uh, this running rushers have just been going all over this team, and it's up to the linebackers when the defensive line is dealing with issues. It's up to them to make the play, to make that play, and they just have not done that this season. Yeah, that's all. I'm not even going to add comment to that. Um, it's been bad. You, I, I just I agree with you on the grade. Probably we're probably being kind on the grade. Secondary. Secondary. Um, let's see. I gave the D the D line a B minus. I give the I gave the linebackers a D. I think I'll give a C to the secondary because they got some turnovers. They that's something that they I think I think they got some turnovers, which is something we couldn't really say about them last year, which I think is a little bit of an improvement, but it's still not the main strength of this UCF defense. So that's why I'm not so I I think I'll put it kind of right in the middle between the linebackers and the line. I haven't been tested as much because teams have run all over us. I have a feeling they're going to be tested in Norman, Oklahoma. I'll agree with you. We're agreeing too much, but I understand. Give me your defense overall grade. All right. Overall grade for the defense. I will go with, uh, I think the C. I think C is a, I think a C is a really good, a, a good spot for me because there is some small bright spots on this defense that I like. But the the proof is in the but the proof is in the pudding that offenses have just been rushing all over this team and just been having their way with it with them in terms of that and but they've been on the field a lot too so I mean so I think that that I have to account for that a little bit and so I'm not going to flunk them but I think this is one of those things where like you only barely pass C's get degrees as they say but bare but barely C's get degrees D D. Giving up over 300 yards on the ground against Big 12 opponent. Not good. Not good. Who's the playmaker, Bryson? Who's the playmaker on this defense? Who's Shaquem Griffin? Where's Richie Grant? I think those are questions. You still don't know. Still don't know. All right. Offense. Let's go offense. Oh, boy. Running backs. All right. Running backs. I will go... I'll go in a. I'll go in a minus on this one. I think the running backs have on uh, the running backs have done on it. I would argue quite well because running the ball has really been something that this team I think needs to do more of. R.J. Harvey is R.J. Harvey is shown as really well when he's not forced to pass the ball on trick plays. Uh, Johnny Rich Johnny Richardson's as speedy as ever. I, I I like what I see with these runaways. UCF has always really been an RBU to me, but I won't lie and say that the off that and that they're they they that they've run into issues. So I would say an A an A minus is a, a solid is a solid one for me. I'll go B, but solid. Yeah, solid B. Receivers. Receivers. I will go that one. I'll go 
B. Uh, that's a B for me. I think they've certainly made some mistakes dropping the ball. That's why they're not going to get an A. But I think they make up for it with some with because they because they also get managed to bring down a lot of balls like where you can trust them to bring down the ball. It's it's sort of like a boomer bust. You're not necessarily sure what you're going to get with them, but I feel like that the the highs make up make up for the lows, and so it kind of cancels out a little bit. You know, I agree. I'll go with that. Offensive line. We're agreeing. We are agreeing too much. Oh, offensive line. That is, that is definitely an A for me. That's an, a straight A because the I to me because I have not seen a UCF quarterback get so much time in the pocket in a in a few years. I would say they this offensive line has given Timmy McClain the all of the time in the world on some of these throws and i'm really impressed on how they've been managed to how they've managed to handle things and from their perspective i think that they they've held up held up very well so i'm gonna go with an a a straight a from them especially with improvement for me i'm gonna go b b my they don't seem to they don't have that lockdown five guys it seems like I i believe we're about to start a third center we've had three centers but you know who they miss Matt Lee. Yeah. And I know everybody's given a hard time because of what happened with the Miami Georgia tech game uh, and that finish and the debacle there. But I was listening to the Dan Levitard show and Mike Ryan, who's the big producer there who I met. He came up here when UCF hosted game day. It's a diehard hurricane guy, booster fan, you name it, but he knows his football. He made an interesting comment. He said, Miami, you know, they obviously the big topic was the whole debacle with the Georgia tech game. He made an interesting comment, though, that I, you know, and I've noticed this when I've watched Miami this year. He says one of they're an improved team, and one of the reasons why they're improved is Matt Lee. He said Matt Lee, in his opinion, is the best football player on the Miami team. Think about that, best football player. Says he's made a big impact on that line. I wonder if Matt was still here. I think he might be a similar thing. I think the alpha, you know, might be a little more even structured there. Uh, I thought that was an interesting comment. I think one of the things that's hurt UCF here, they haven't gotten production from this transfer class this year. Even Gus alluded to that in his last media availability. Uh, they haven't gotten those, like, there hasn't been that Bowser type, right, impact. Um, you, know, you know, Jeff Jeff likes to say the, por- the, the portal takes it and giveth, right? Like, you give it and you take it, you know, that whole cliche. The portal giveth and the portal taketh away. I don't think, I think we're on the negative side right now. And everybody's going to talk about the quarterback, and Lord knows we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback next week. Linebacker. They've lost guys in the portal with Bethune, who's at FSU, Baptiste, who's at Old Miss. Think of the player that we could have had from USF but flipped to Arkansas because William, uh, they got, you know, the coaching changes and all that going on with Travis Williams going to Arkansas. But look at the offensive line. Still some kind of questions there, as Kyle's alluded to it. Nope, lose Matt Lee. I don't know if we've replaced a Matt Lee yet. Maybe we will down the road. I think they're on the negative side on the port, and that's tough. You, you like to either break even or be on the positive side of the port. And to this point, Bryson, it hasn't materialized from the, 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 the impact from guys in the port of this particular class. But yeah. there's a the second half of the year. Well, yeah, but like, uh, but on the line, I mean, look. I, I will agree. I can't agree that maybe on a big 12 standard, but like, I feel like on a general football standard, this line has improved from last year. Now, it, again, big 12, the big 12, they're dealing with a lot of the, the power five opponents. And I get that, but 
and I think Matt Lee being here would also would make this program, this offensive line a lot better. But I, I still think it's an improvement over last year, which is like if you I saw gave him a B. I gave him a B. I'm not like flunking him. I'm giving a high grade. I'm just I, saying, just saying. It's, that's why I'm not giving him an A. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can sort of get that, and I do agree with you with the with the tran with the transfer class. There's not like a transfer of the year candidate on this team that I'm. Really no, interested. and that's a great point. Think of all the candidates we've had in the past, not this year. And I think that's impacted some of it this year. That's yeah. been a little disappointing. Uh, it, this, yeah. this, way, this transfer class right now would not get a high grade. Yeah, very true. Speaking of which, we do have one more offensive position to grade. Yeah, quarterback. Oh, boy. I'm going to go incomplete. Really? Or maybe, well, I'm going to go I because the starter has been injured. I, I think it's incomplete. I don't know. You know Plumlee's been hurt. McLean's shown some good things with the deep ball, but some decisions. I mean, if you force me to give a grade, it's a C, but I feel like it's kind of incomplete because I don't I, I don't know how to judge this. This has kind of been all over the place. Like it, it it's a bizarre position, a tough one to grade. I'm gonna go C, but you could argue it should be an incomplete because we've had in, an injuries impacted this. And uh I don't know, it's a weird one to grade, Bryson. Yeah, a C, maybe a C plus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a little bit of a smidge and go with C plus because I do because there obviously is a lot of questions because John Rice Plumley didn't keep him, didn't really keep himself safe and um, and got him and of course got hurt and then you have Timmy McLean and the decision making with admit him he certainly made had had some plays that have gotten had have had have it that have had a scream what are you doing and then there are plays there are scream a screaming in elation at some of the plays he was able to pull so there's again you have the highs and you got the lows with with it with this and so i think putting it at an average maybe bump it a teensy with a smidge above average if only for the good that the good that both are capable of so i think a c plus would would be interesting if you had to give it a grade incomplete incomplete makes sense i can see your argument with that but i think c plus would be a good way just to kind of kind of average it kind of average ish yeah you know what it is it's like when i've it's happened to me when i was a student i would turn in a paper and my professor was like this is not finished can you like here come back come back to me work on this otherwise you're getting a c plus can you work on this some more because this is not complete. I want more. I want a, I want like X amount of pages, not this amount. Give me another page. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. You know. I can see that. So now, here now here's something that I think I want to have a, a little bit of positivity here, a, a, a more positivity here. So football um, that could be tough. Well, you know, grade the special teams. If prior to last week, no, prior to the last, well, <laughs> come on. Here's the problem, right? I would have given him an A, but think about the Baylor game, the field goal mitt, not the not the last kick, which was a 50-some ridiculous kick, but earlier in the game, Bryce, you remember the play? Bad snap, kick was missed, you know, didn't that turned out to be pretty important. And then you give up a punt return for a touchdown last week. I'm gonna go B. B. Because Colton Boomer, obviously, Boise State was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to go B, but I can't go A, man. I can't go A. The last couple of weeks haven't been great. B. I think it's, uh, you know what? I'll go, I'll do this. I think it's like an 89.9, like a B plus, but teetering on an A, if only because 
like you're right the mistake the mistakes that this special teams unit has done it doesn't it has made it, i don't know if it deserves it a maybe an a minus maybe but i do I, I would say like an 89 point an 89.9 and you could and you could say well and have them say hey round it up round it up you know so but i do think though that the special that the special teams is something that you know is much more straightforward where just kind of you know iron out the uh I, just iron out the snapping and just and be more alert on the kick returns because kick returns are something that can kind of just happen you know out of the blue sometimes and you have if you have the right returner so i i think that th that this kick returner can have ha this special teams are able will, will be able to bounce back and i think that this will just be a momentary a momentary flip especially when you have somebody like colton colton boomer too boomer too I think Boomer honestly is like the. I would argue if, if there is one star of this, you know how last year was like the year of JRP. I think that the, uh, in in some ways, I think this year is the year of Colton Boomer. They better that better change the second half of the year, otherwise it could be a long year. It could be a pat failure of a course. Uh, so we'll see where that. I think I think they're at a. Where are we? This moment. Where are I think this team's a C. It's a C. Right. C maybe C minus if only be like through the first two and I would say through the first three and a half games three and three quarters they were on a course and then Kansas State Baylor the finish of Baylor and then the whole Kansas game has dropped them to a C you look at the schedule at Oklahoma then you host West Virginia homecoming. Oh, by the way, we're, wait till you hear how West – I mean, you probably know by the time you're listening to this, but holy macro. The good news is UCF's loss to Baylor has been topped. Holy smokes. West Virginia home at Cincinnati. Okay. They got to play Houston at the end of the year. You got to play at Texas Tech. Got to play at Cincinnati. To me, here's the recipe to get seven wins. You got to win at Cincinnati, win against Houston, split West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Those are your three wins right there. Gets you to six. If you win both of your home games against Oak State, Washington State, uh, and uh, West Virginia, I should say, that's seven. I think at Oklahoma is a big ask. At Texas Tech might be tough. But I think they could still pass the course. And passing the course is going to a bowl. Yeah, I agree. I, and this bye week, I, I mentioned that bye week is a very good – turning a turning point but i also think it's a good turning point for us fans too because i feel like a lot of a lot of fans came in thinking that we were going to dominate and then we didn't and so this bye week is a really good after the last couple of weeks this is a really good time to just readjust expectations and be like you know what i'll take a bowl after the after the after well we'll see i mean i think we just want to see better games and played uh better performances the other thing is who knows we may have a crazy game like on Thursday night, West Virginia and Houston did. Two of the future UCF opponents played a crazy finish in this game. It was the Dana Hogerson Bowl. Remember, Dana Hogerson used to coach at West Virginia. He's coaching Houston now. West Virginia, this game was on FS1. Big news, Tim Brando called the game with Spencer Tillman. They were actually on site. You'll hear them in a moment. West Virginia had a four and, uh, fourth and ten. It was a good thing we had a lot of interviews to play on this show because you, me and Bryson were distracted by two sporting events. One was the LDS, Braves-Phillies. My condolences to you, Bryson, as a Braves fan. Your Braves season has come to an end. 
I mean, I saw it it coming in when getting back from the game. My dad was watching it. He's a Braves fan, too. I mean, like, what, like, what is it about the Phillies in the playoffs? Well, and you had two on in the ninth, nobody out, and you didn't do anything. That was the story. So the Phillies have a bit. But no, I was watching Houston-West Virginia at the same time as well. Fourth and ten. West Virginia's around midfield. Houston is up. 35-32. West Virginia completes a deep pass, caught. The guy goes all the way for a touchdown to take a 39-35 lead with 12 seconds to go. They show Hogers, and you're like, wow, what a crushing loss for Houston. I'm thinking, hey, maybe this tops UCF's blown loss. Who knows? Little did I know. West Virginia gets called for an unsportsmanlike, so they got a kickoff from the 20. They squip kick the ball. Houston gets the ball around the 35-40. They complete a pass. To about midfield. One last play. Houston has. Let's cue up Tim Brando, courtesy of Fox Sports. This game was on FS1. Let's hear how this game finished. Last completions in a row. This will be his last and it's for the football game. If he can get it off. To the end zone. Tick. And the goal. Wow, a Hail Mary, Houston wins 41-39. What a way to get their first Big 12 win in program history. A crushing loss for Neil Brown in West Virginia. I mean, so, when the announcer says "whole," announcer says "holy Toledo." Spencer Tillman, yeah, he was probably avoiding cursing there. Oh. What a finish! What a win for Holgerson, who badly needed a win. Crushing loss for West Virginia. So, in a couple of weeks, <laughs> I said, when UCF hosts West Virginia, we have two teams that have had crushing losses this year. But what a game! What a finish! The last twelve seconds, touchdowns there. Houston wins 41-39. What a concept, having the broadcasters on site in an FS1 broadcast. That's what you get when you have those. That's what you get when you have those. I I, I really hope that we get some some people on site at UCF for the future, especially with home with especially with homecoming. I'm I'm excited for that one. All, All right. right. Well, there's your positive. That that's two teams UCF will play later this season. By the way, Houston game for UCF sold out. So all the reigning home games sold out. I, Bryson, people told me on this program that we needed that pro school in Tampa to play at the end of the year to get a sellout on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, uh, you know, it, wh- who needs U- U- USF when you have the space game? Uh, well, Oklahoma State. That'll the, be the space yeah, that game. That is true. I keep – this is why – Yeah, you and Kyle has been pushing for this Houston you, space you game. Mean, it didn't work out. Seriously. You got to let it go. Speaking of which, they revealed the jerseys for yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's – yeah. I mean, yeah. no, I mean, come on. No, oh, come on, Eric. They're not that bad. I mean, look. Bryson, do you know what – do you remember how baseball performed with the Tar Heel blue? They're wearing – they were wearing black, though. They were wearing black jerseys, uh, not the blue ones. The blue – the Canaveral blue. Canaveral blue has really grown on me, honestly, these past things. And this, I feel like this uniform, it almost reminded me of like a Miami Vicey type of thing. I was going to uh, say, which one do you like better, the UCF or the FIU version? Wait, they look pretty similar. 
Oh, don't. Oh, yeah, no, don't go and do that. Uh, look, 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 let's just put it this look, put it this way. It was it, the idea was UCF's to begin with because the FIU AD is a former associate AD of, U, of, of UCF. So if anything, if anything, if we want to talk about grades. FIU needs to be reported to the academic conduct office. I liked last year's better. I whatever. I don't know. I think I honestly I, I I'm I think the space you the the thing is looking very interesting. I also really, an zero and one start by the way. Women's soccer lost in wearing them against Texas. Volleyball hasn't worn them yet, have they? I I don't think so. I don't oh know. wow, they're saving it for a big match. Ooh. Man, yeah, no, maybe. I mean, look, we only have one like big space game so far. To, if I remember this year, this year at UCF, and so let's just see what happens for the rest of them. We'll we'll, we'll didn't men's soccer wear it for NC State? That was a long time ago. I don't. They know. won though. Yeah, yeah they, they did. Um, anyway. oh, yeah, they did. I, look. look. Space games, I love space games, and I can't wait to see. But I really think that you need, we need that. I think that rivalry, if you want to make Houston a rivalry, oh, make geez, it the space game. Make it the space game, please. You and Kyle Nash. You and Kyle and Nash. It makes too much sense. But you got Oklahoma State for that. You, uh, Houston to wrap it to wrap it all off and hey, wrap it all off. And it's funny. You know, a lot of a lot of road stuff because I think it's only West Virginia and Houston left, right? It's just two home games left, right? Oklahoma State, hello, that's the space game. Oklahoma yeah, Oklahoma State. State. Yeah, Oklahoma space space game. Oklahoma State, and oh no, West Virginia, right? West Virginia, Oklahoma State space yeah, game. Yeah, and, and Houston. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah, right. That's right. Oklahoma State, which will be the weekend of the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame, which is a good segue coming up. Keep it on Black and Gold Banneret on the YouTube channel. In the future, we're going to start having uh, some content leading up to the Hall of Fame in the coming weeks. We'll get you ready for the UCF Oklahoma football game. We'll get you set for the basketball season. And of course, Bryson will have the nightcap for all of the Olympic sports, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, and much more. Bing. That'll do it for this edition of Night Show. For Bryson Turner, I'm Eric Lopez. Thanks to all the guests. Well, they weren't live guests, but we recorded them. A lot of interviews you can watch on the YouTube channel. Bing. I'm Eric Lopez. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed this edition of Night Show.